0: You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere, to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. Easter is for everyone. Let's say that together. Come on. Easter is for everyone, whether you're young or or old, tall or short, or maybe I got that backwards. Tall or short, there we go. Rich, poor, your job is safe or your job is insecure. Easter's for you. Easter is for everyone. Today I want us to think about this category that Easter is for the wounded, Easter is for The wounded. Have you ever stopped to think about how ironic it was that on resurrection night, on resurrection evening, the first opportunity Jesus had to present himself alive to his disciples, that very first evening with 10 of his 12 gathered there, Jesus, as he proved that he was alive, chose what kind of evidence? What did Jesus say his disciples should look at? His wounds. His wounds. I find that quite ironic. Wounds in my life are the symbols of pain and defeat. Wounds tend to be for me those times in my life where God seemed to fail. And yet Jesus says, I will show you the signs of my death. I will present the evidence of my wounds as the proof of my life. Ironic. Maybe Jesus knows something about wounds that we need to learn. Maybe Jesus knows that every wound, every detour, every dead end can actually work in his purpose. Jesus makes a way. And Easter Is for everyone, even the wounded. Even the wounded. How ironic is it that on the night Jesus first presented himself to his disciples, the night that Jesus first demonstrated that he was really alive, of all the things he could have said, of all the evidences. He could have provided. Jesus chose to reveal his wounds. Why would Jesus take these symbols of pain and defeat and use them as proof of his life? We're all familiar with wounds, all, we are all familiar with scars. I grew up on a small farm in, in Iowa. And being a farm kid, you get used to wounds real fast. I had stitches three times before I left elementary school. It was a normal routine in our small little farm town. Here comes that Joel kid. Hold him down and stitch him up again. Motorcycle accidents, three-wheeler accidents. How many of you remember three-wheelers before they banned them because they broke legs on kids like me? And I did that too. There was hardly a tree on our farm that I didn't fall out of barn loft that I didn't fall through. Scars, wounds, stitches, been there, done that. But it's not really those physical wounds of childhood that scar us the most deeply. It's the wounds of adulthood. It's a friend who put the knife in the back. The sense of betrayal. It's the economic disaster, the sudden loss of income, the sudden unexpected tragedy, it's death, it's disease, it's cancer, been there, done that, and so have you. There's not a person here who hasn't had a few gaping wounds in their life. If we were in a comfortable setting, if you trusted all of those around you with your true self. We could take the next hour, couple of hours, and exchange story after story of wounds. Some wounds from family, those homes we were born into that God meant to provide safety that actually provided some of the deepest wounds. We could share stories of betrayal and hurt and loss the funeral services with loved ones, the vows that were made and then broken. We've all suffered the wounds and we all hide them. We would rather not expose every wound in our life. We cover them up. We put makeup over those scars. But Jesus chose to take those things that we most hide, those things that show the obvious pains and failures of life, Jesus said, look at my wounds. Why? What did Jesus know about wounds that maybe we need to consider? Let's pick up the story. In John chapter 20, we read this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, and they should have been afraid. They were suspects number 1 through 10, or 11. For those of you who are new to the faith, those of you who may be joining family on an Easter Sunday, we welcome you. Let me help you catch up with the story, because we're entering the story right at the climax. I mean, you've missed almost the whole movie, so can you give me a second to let you catch up, because this is a pivotal moment in human history. In fact, you could take this fulcrum, this point in human history, and this is where it all pivots, where it all changes. Let's rewind the story. Let's take the entire human, human race, let's take the earth, let's take our galaxy, let's take the universe, back it all up to, in the beginning, God. From one point comes one person, God. And it all began. Fast forward and here's humanity. Lost and alienated from God. God created the world, the universe, everything to be an instrument of his praise and glory and to have relationship with those whom he created and breathed the breath of life. Humans. Us. And yet we abandon God, betray him, break covenant with him. And God provides a way back. It took a long time, thousands of years, as God slowly unfolds his story for us. He provides the law for us, not to save us, but to remind us how much we break it, and then how much we deserve punishment for our sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned. All of us have failed God. And so God instituted a system of sacrifices to teach us that some. Every time we sin, something has to die. And eventually, born of a virgin, living a sinful, a sinless life, is Jesus, who chose to die for me and for you, punishment of God upon the one person who deserved it the least. For you and for me, Jesus dies on the cross. He's dead for three days, and on the third day comes out of the tomb, and it's that night Jesus shows up. He enters the room, and listen as we read what happened. Verse 19, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be to you, Jesus says. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands where they drove the nails. He shows them the wound in his side where the, the sword pierced his flesh. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, Jesus said again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And he breathed on them. He filled them with the Spirit. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not there. He was out getting Chinese takeout for the rest of them. They told Thomas when he got back, We've seen the Lord and you missed it. Great job getting sweet and sour, but you missed something cool. We've seen the Lord. Thomas says, I won't believe it unless I, too, get to see the wounds in his hands. Put my fingers there in his wrists, and I place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days pass. A week and a day, and Jesus shows up again. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was still there, or was there. The doors were locked as before, but suddenly Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, Jesus says again. Then he goes directly to Thomas. Thomas, put your fingers here in my wounds. Put your hand here into my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe, and Thomas hits his knees. My Lord, my God. Both times. Resurrection evening, and a week and a day later, both times as Jesus presented himself to his now first time 10, second time 11 disciples, Jesus, for some reason, shows the symbols, the wounds of death, to prove that he was alive. Why would Jesus take what proves his suffering and pain and agony? Why would Jesus demonstrate that he was alive by showing that he had died? What does Jesus know about wounds? Maybe I've got it wrong. But for me, my wounds, not the shallow ones, not the stitches, but the deep wounds of life, for me, those are seasons where I feel like maybe God let me down. Those are times when maybe my faith failed. My story went awry. God disappointed me. These are moments of regret, moments that I'd rather tuck away. But Jesus brings them out and says, look at my wounds. What did Jesus know about wounds? Maybe wounds, plus this attitude of faith and hope with a little dab of God's resurrected power. Maybe wounds plus faith and the power of God can prove a resurrected life. Perhaps Jesus knew that wounds are never the end of the story. They are not symbols of God's defeat. They're not symbols of your faithlessness. They are opportunities for God to prove his resurrection power in our lives. Let me show you a a strange picture. It's actually an invitation I pulled off Facebook. It's an invitation to an event. Can you read the title? This is a worship night in Lockport, Illinois. It doesn't sound so strange until you dig a little closer and see the logo, the branding of the host location of this worship night. You'll see it on the bottom left-hand side of this Facebook ad, Port Noir, that's not a church, that's a bar, there's got to be a story there, right, a bar owner hosting a worship night, now some of you are shaking your head like, that is just wrong, others are going, that is cool, and others are going, I'm just going to scratch my head and listen to what pastor is going to make sense out of this. If you follow Jesus long enough, he does some strange but awesome things. This is a story I've learned from an acquaintance of mine who pastors Thrive Church in Lockport and another friend John Schweider has put the story together for me. This bar in Lockport is owned by a gentleman named Dave who grew up in Southern California, south side of Los Angeles, and grew up, grew up as a foster kid. The family into which he was born must have wounded him so deeply that the state of California in the early 80s removed him from his family. Those are wounds I've not experienced. That's a history I can, actually I don't really want to imagine. Dave grew up tough, grew up scarred, grew up wounded. That Wounded child became a wounded young adult became a wounded adult. Experienced the challenges of single parenthood. Constant job insecurity and unemployment. Poverty and several seasons of homelessness. Dave became a broken, wounded, agnostic man. But when he hit bottom, this... Agnostic gentleman prayed to a God he wasn't quite sure was there. And God heard his cry. Dave shares the story that it wasn't sudden, but it was steady. Week by week, month by month, and year by year, God did miracles in his life. Re-established him, gave him direction. He moved from California to Illinois, settled in Lockport, bought this bar continued to grow in his faith and now has devoted his bar to be a place of worship. Go figure. As this bar owner's faith was growing, he called a group of local pastors together to plan this event and to talk about how he might be involved in the community. He says, is there anything I can do to help? Are there ways that I can financially contribute to help your churches reach the hurting and the broken in our community? And my acquaintance, my friend, who pastors Thrive Church in Lockport, said, well, I'd love to have you help us. We do a camp for foster kids. We, it's called Royal Family Kids Camp. We do it every year, and churches in the south side of Chicago host it. And, we bring, and he started explaining the story. We bring these kids out to the camp, and here's what it's like. And Dave, the bar owner, stops him mid-sentence. He says, you don't need to tell me about this camp. I was there. 32 years earlier, Dave, as a little elementary kid, went to Royal Family Kids Camp number two in 1986. And there, this little wounded boy experienced the love of God, the love of Jesus following people. Dave tells a story that it was at that camp that he had a glimmer of hope that maybe there really are some good people in this world. And maybe these good people really do know something about a good God who might exist. And it was that tiny seed of faith from 32 years earlier that led that agnostic to prayer, which led his, to his faith in Christ, which led to this bar hosting worship night, and Jesus is still telling the story. Our wounds, and some of you have deep ones, our seasons of brokenness and betrayal, They do not have to define death and destruction. They can, in reality, define the resurrected king, resurrecting our lives. I think if you knew the story of Jesus, if you could hear his words on the cross, as Jesus' wounds bled and Jesus breathed his last if you follow the story and you follow his words, you see the kind of heart and passion and honesty that can help us go from hiding our wounds as symbols of death to actually presenting them as the emblems of God's resurrected life. As Jesus hung on the cross, I want you to notice something. Jesus got very honest and very personal with God. Matthew chapter 23 records these words of Jesus on the cross. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. And at about that time, Jesus cried out with a loud voice in Hebrew, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you, and here Jesus' words, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus was pretty honest with his father. As his wounds bled out, Jesus got gut level honest as he felt abandoned by his father God. Jesus in those moments took all the gross sin, all the heinous, ugly things people do to each other, some you've done to others, and some others have done to you. And Jesus took it all. Jesus became, the Bible says, a sin offering. The guilt of humanity. From the decisions this 46-year-old person has made to all the decisions of all humanity of all time laid upon Jesus' shoulders. Boom, the guilt of The agony, the shame, the abandonment of God. As God turns away from this one who took upon himself the sin of the world. And Jesus doesn't run away and hide. But he goes right to his father. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Have you felt that way? When you incur those wounds in your life whether as the victim receiving them or the perpetrator giving them. Either way, you will enter a season where you feel like, God, you have failed. My life is lost. The story is over. How can I recover? You have abandoned me. Can I tell you, don't stop there. Be honest. Be real. Get personal with God. But follow the pattern of Jesus because just moments later, As Jesus, with one breath, says, God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Shortly thereafter, he's saying something else. We find it in Luke chapter 23. As Jesus is about to breathe his last, Luke records his words. Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. The same Savior Who would say, why have you abandoned me? Will then cry out, but I'll still entrust my spirit to you. I feel neglected, lost, abandoned, and I still give you my very life. And aren't you glad Jesus said that? Imagine if Jesus said what a lot of us say. Why have you abandoned me? I'm done with this. I'm done with you. Imagine Jesus in those minutes between that sense of abandonment and giving up his final breath, said, God, I'm done. I'm out of here. I will go to the tomb alone. We wouldn't be here today. And yet Jesus demonstrates for us this raw, authentic, my God, my God, why? And I offer you and entrust you with everything. I entrust you with my spirit. Wounds, with this brutally honest faith, leads to this deep sense of trust. As Jesus breathed his last, he lost all power and all control. He gave it all away to God. When you're dead, you don't have much say about things. Jesus wasn't prescribing who was going to take him off the cross Jesus wasn't overseeing the selection of the tomb. Jesus wasn't picking out his burial suit. He had no vote, no power. Dead, but fully trusting in God. For Jesus, it was a three-day wait. I die, I lose all control. God will have to bring the story to a victorious end. And whether it was Jesus' three days in the tomb or David's 32 years from royal family kids' camp, to praying for God to resuscitate a wounded life. No matter how long the wait, no, how long, no matter how long you're in the grave, that faith that's brutally honest, that's fully trusting in God, the wounds will never be the end of the story. In fact, while the world will hide their wounds, tuck them away, cover them up with makeup, and hope no one sees the scars of my past, those who have been resurrected by the resurrected, resurrecting King know that every wound in their life is really a symbol of God's triumph over evil and sin. Can I tell you this morning? It is so important that every one of us who have been wounded or caused wounds in others, because we've done them both, follow this pattern of Jesus. Are you ready for the resurrected King? to breathe life, to knock the stone away, fill your life with light and hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Follow the same pattern that Jesus did. Be honest with God. What wounds are you facing today? Some of you have probably been harboring wounds that are 25, 35 years old and you've not yet had that conversation with God. You've tucked it away, you've gone to church, you've sung the songs, you've done the hymns. You're around the periphery, but you've never been brutally honest with God. Can I tell you, your resurrection begins there? Just by saying, God, that ought to me. Yeah, he can take it. You think God is afraid of that? He saw it. He's been brokenhearted for you. Maybe for you, it's not the wounds you incurred, maybe it's the wounds you gave. Maybe you say, Pastor, if you knew my track record, if you knew the things I've done wrong, if you knew the words I said, the things I've done with my hands, there's no way God could resurrect a person like me. Well, sir or ma'am, you're wrong. Jesus died for your sin and mine, and the resurrected King is not done with your life Be brutally real and honest with God. God, why have you let this happen? Why have you let my life go down this trail? Be real, be honest, be raw. It's okay. And then entrust it all to the Lord. God, you have got to take my spirit into your hands. I entrust my life to you. Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even if he experiences wounds and death. Jesus can resurrect anyone who puts their faith and hope in him. Trust in him. Belief isn't some tip of the hat, some kind of offering you put in a bucket once or twice a year. That's not what Jesus is asking. Jesus is asking to entrust your full self your past, your present, your future, your decisions, your will, your desires, your wants, your identity, your hopes, your dreams, your future. Put it all there. Put it all there. Put yourself on the cross. Say, I have no power over anything. I give it all to you. That's exactly what Jesus said to do. Jesus said in Luke, I think chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, if anyone wants to follow my pattern of life, Let that person take up their cross, that symbol of woundedness and death, and trust me enough to follow me. Are you there today? Are you there today? Some of you have that heaviness right now where you know there's some wounds you've inflicted, some wounds you've incurred that you have not yet been honest with God about. This is your moment. This is your moment to say, all of this stuff, all of these wounds, God, you've got to make a way. And you will take yourself and this honest prayer with the faith that God can resurrect it with just a drop of God's life-giving power and you watch your life unfold in resurrected power Do you need that prayer today? Romans chapter 3 says it so cleanly, so clearly. It says, we are made right with God. You and God are put back in right relationship when we place our faith in Jesus. And it's the same for everybody. For pastor, for you, all of us. Because we've all sinned. And because we're all the same in that way. We all come back to God the same way, through Jesus. Is that what you need to do today? In our last two or three minutes together, some of you need to make that decision. And it's going to be this simple. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. We're going to pray across this whole church. We're not going to ask you to come forward, but we are going to ask you to say, God, here I am. Here I am. Is that you? Lift a hand. See, we're going to pray. And I want to pray with you, Pastor. I want to pray with you, Joel. I want to pray with you. This section, this section across. Anyone need to bring their wounded life to God and let the resurrected King resurrect them? How about over here? Anyone today? The promise of the resurrection. Thank you. Anyone else? Thanks. Thanks. Ten more seconds. I want to follow Jesus out of the tomb into a resurrected life. All right, friends, all across this room, let's pray together. Dear God, Amen. oh, come on, say it like it's Resurrection Sunday. Dear God, Dear God, thank you for the promise of a resurrected life. resurrected life. I bring to you today all the, all the wounds I've caused and all the wounds I've received. I no longer see them as death and destruction but I see them with eyes of faith that your resurrection power can breathe new life in me I choose today to offer you my whole life fill me with your power Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God thanks? Let's applaud Him. Today's good. This week, this week, you'll have opportunity. Everywhere you go, you'll hear stories of wounds. You'll see it on people's faces. You'll hear it in their conversations. You'll hear it in the lunch tables, in the hallways, and in the cubicles. Jesus has called us to restore everybody everywhere to a loving and holy God. And I pray that the same Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed into the lives of his disciples would empower you to share the story of a resurrected king whose wounds didn't define his death, but whose wounds were the trophies of the triumph of a risen Savior. We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store and type in 1AGBN to download the app. Remember, God created you to make a difference. So go and make a difference.